So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas hey you are listening to the six figure photography podcast with ben hartley and rachel griman Each week, a new episode will air to help you grow your business by winning more bookings, maximizing profits, and breaking through your limiting beliefs. Today, we are talking about how to make more money with your photography business without raising your prices. Rachel, how is that even possible, Ben? (laughs) Well, listen, let's just why. Why not just raise your prices? I mean, that certainly is an option, you know, and and it may be, maybe it's something you, it's a yes and as far as like today's mm-hmm. conversation goes. Um, but like, why not just, or, or why not just jump straight to like raising, raising the prices, you know, like uh, the, curious what your take on that would be. Um, I think there's a lot of reasons that some people shouldn't, some people should for sure, mm-hmm. but that's a whole different episode. But I think right now, economically speaking, people are scared of larger numbers. So that might not be a reason to raise your prices. Also, if you're sitting pretty in the right zone where you are booking the right amount of people there and you just want to take some work off your plate or you want to lighten your load a little bit, what we're going to talk about today is better than just bumping your prices up because some people see a number and they click out you know, it's just not for them. And so if raising your prices takes your ideal client, you know, takes you out of the race for them, this is a more creative way to approach that. Absolutely. And there's a, there's a very real awareness to the possibility of decreased volume of clients. Like if yes. I raise my prices, I, I may lose on the amount of clients mm-hmm. that I'd be getting. And that might be a, not that might not be a part of my strategy. Right. Totally. And I think that's a really interesting point that you made, because a lot of people will say, we'll just charge more and then you can have less clients. But some people are like, I don't want less clients. I would like the same amount that I have. Yes. <laughs> and I would like to just work. There is a possibility of working less and having the same amount of clients, which I think is not a very oft talked about angle. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And then, like you're saying, there's the reality of keeping the current client base, keeping the pricing where it is, but just profiting more. We're going to talk about mm-hmm. that today. Mm-hmm. And um, listen, I think this will be kind of short and sweet. I think this will be like to yeah. the point. I think it's going to be tactile. I think it's going to be. Well, we'll say dare I say crunchy. Okay, you know what I mean when I say crunchy. <laughs> it's going to be crunchy. I like that. That's what we're going to call our episodes that are. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and also like very, very practical, very like, okay, now go do that. Here's some mm-hmm. areas in your business that you can go and make this adjustment. Mm-hmm. So I first discovered this thing that I did not realize was a thing, Rachel, mm-hmm. until I got to the bottom of a peanut butter jar one day. <laughs> How and, recently was this? Oh, this is actually a few years ago. It's probably three, okay. four years ago. I did a live video okay. on it in the Mastermind Group way back then. The Mastermind Group's been around for like seven years. I've been doing these yeah. these videos. And um, and so I got to the bottom of this peanut butter jar, and I, I, my boys, I don't even think were born at the time, and I'm scraping in the bottom trying to get all of the peanut butter out for my daughter. It's the last thing. I don't have time to go to the grocery store. I'm trying to make this damn sandwich. And I cannot get the peanut butter out the bottom because <laughs> there is this ridiculously sized like recession, this big dome that has been carved out of the bottom of the peanut butter jar. You know what I'm talking about? Like this big yep. plastic dome. If you turn your, your jars of canned goods or not canned goods, but jars of plastic goods in your in your uh, pantry upside down, you may see this same dome that it's I'm talking bubble. about. This bubble. And I was like, this was not here. This was not this size like that long ago. What is this thing? And I started looking into it. And it turns out this whole thing has an actual like name wrapped around it, like a term wrapped around it. Mm -hmm. And uh, the term is called shrinkflation. Which is, I had never heard until today. I know. You, said I, it to I, me. you know what? I didn't even know about it either. Shrinkflation. Yeah. Shrinkflation is where you increase the like the profitability of of a, of a good by decreasing the amount that you give. You decrease mm-hmm. your cost, and then you maintain your sales volume because it's the exact same price. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you right now, this is happening everywhere. Oh, totally. It's happening everywhere. Do you have any other examples where you've seen this where like you go to buy the same thing and you're like, this is not the same amount that I was getting. I had a similar experience. I just didn't know there was a name for it. Like you, uh, with chips, like there's so much more air in a bag of chips. Now (laughs) it's like almost half full and it did not used to be like that. Mm -hmm. And you really notice it in Colorado because the altitude puffs a bag up. Mm. So like, it's not flat, if that makes sense. So if you walk down the grocery store aisles, the bags are super puffed up because there's so much more room in them now. Mm. And, um, I was looking at the examples of the link we were talking about earlier and I thought it was so interesting. Some manufacturers of like certain kind of candy bars change the shape of them yes. to allow more space between them. Yes. Cause it's like, if you can just shave a couple cents off of each candy bar, and you're selling millions of them, you're going to make more. So I think physical goods and food are a really easy example. Um, It gets a little bit more um, ambiguous when we talk about services, Mm -hmm. but that's why I loved your idea for this episode because I would have never thought about it like this. Yeah, and it's so relatable when you think about it, and you can actually picture it. You can, like, picture... Uh, the chip bag, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's even, even toilet paper has less plies, like less little squares yeah. <laughs> are actually showing up in your toilet paper. It's like down 10%. Yeah. And the, the genius thing about the peanut butter, 
Um, or the chocolate that is shaped differently, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it reminds me of like Reese's Cups when they do like the Christmas tree ones. It's like, yeah. I think the Christmas trees have like, they're just like deeper angles in the Christmas tree cutout yeah. that you wouldn't normally experience. But you're like, no. this is now less. And what kind of person is measuring year to year what that <laughs> angle is on the Christmas this tree? This guy now, this yeah. guy will. <laughs> but the genus is, it's it's like, it's the, it was the same size peanut butter jar. Like I went to go grab the same size jar that I've always grabbed grabbed it was like mm-hmm. there the was the little indent was underneath it's tricky. It, was, it was tucked away yeah so uh, you know even as we're discussing it this way like these are these common goods that we're so used to purchasing and we're so used to the price and and so when the price goes up it gets felt everywhere you mm-hmm. know uh, like people are used to buying their peanut butter at a certain price point and if it were to jump up they would feel that pain more and they may go and reach for the off-brand version and so you know when we're talking about commoditized goods like this they are kind of in, they are intentionally trying to be tricky in order to just like stay stay afloat you know what i mean totally because think about it egg prices went up and it's all you heard about yes. for months how expensive eggs were whereas the dome gets bigger in peanut butter and it takes everybody a lot longer to notice. Yes. So what we're going to talk about today, translating this, there's really nothing tricky about it because we don't have like repeat, like a ton of repeat clients, unless in no portraiture, you will have some clients that come back year mm-hmm. after year. Um, but it, it still is not a commoditized good. It's totally fine that your prices would change or that things would mm-hmm. adjust over, over time, even with repeat clients. And so instead, I just want to plant this idea in photographers' minds that like, instead of of raising the price, you could take a look at your offer and consider where am I just like unnecessarily giving too much? Are there mm-hmm. certain areas in my collections or in my offer that I could reduce? And in the process of reducing the cost and the load that that puts on my business, the mental strain, all these things, you could in- increase profitability. You could increase um, efficiency. You could increase just like, hopefully maybe even just like joy in your life because you you can kind of be stay more structured, more organized, mm-hmm. use that time to go and market. And, um, and so we want to kind of give you some ideas of places that, um, that you could look to. And I tell you what, Rachel, I've done this and I tend yeah. to do this year after year before I raise my prices ever. I first look to what are some of the things that I could first reduce before raising the price? Absolutely. And it is such a confidence booster because you don't have to increase the price. Um, and people will still buy. It's a way to kind of like test the waters a bit, get some mm-hmm. yeses on your belt and be like, wow, yeah, people are like, there's totally for this. There, this was not totally. even a thing. Totally. Um, okay. Let's, let's kind of start down the list. Yeah. I think the first one, um, is really easy. If you're a wedding photographer, the hours that you're offering for your standard packages, you know, and you can charge, then hourly, if you, if they want more, like you could make your wedding package six hours instead of 10 or that might be too big of a jump, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, for the longest time I, you know, I used to have back, you know, early on, I had an eight hour collection was my lowest Mm -hmm. and then a 10 hour collection and then a 12 hour. I was like, and then I I went through this process and I dropped it down to a six hour collection, eight hour and a 10. And Mm -hmm. now I have a four hour collection, a six hour and an eight. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And and certainly things can move from there. Um, But they're going to pay for it. Yes. Yes. And then, of course, you can. Here's the thing, friends. 
you know, I bet there are some wedding photographers listening to that right now, being like, Ben, I don't want to photograph like a six hour day or four hour day. Like, I want to be there for the entire time because it gives me time to tell the story. Great, do that, but you can choose to give gifts not mm-hmm. expectations. So you can move, mm-hmm. you know, actually like motivate someone to book at, let's say the 10 hour collection or an eight hour collection rather. And then if you really, really, really want to be there for 10 hours, great. You could offer that as a gift if you so chose. Mm-hmm. Um, so just because you, you reduce the amount that you're going to offer in the initial collection doesn't mean that you couldn't choose to gift things when you really mm-hmm. want to. Mm-hmm. Um, another one, especially if it's the difference between them booking. Yes. Yes. You know, if they're not going to book at the 10 hours, but you really want this wedding, get them in at eight. And then if you want to stay, stay. Yeah. Uh, Porch photographers. I see this all the time. Maybe I'll even tie it with this. Mm. The next one is Mm. just like the amount of images that we're offering in inside of our collections. Right. It's like you're going to receive 150 files. Like, okay, slow down, Nancy. (laughs) Let's just pump the brakes a little bit. I don't know if that's necessary, you know, to give this expectation of the amount of images. And then certainly the digitals tied to it Mm -hmm. is huge. Absolutely huge. Now, you know, this gets into a whole other conversation around business model, you know, for an IPS photographer, in-person sales photographer versus all-inclusive or hybrid. And and that's a bigger, that certainly is a bigger conversation to be had. But, but even for the IPS photographers listening today, I see a lot of IPS photographers um, that are still like, they have too many digitals in their collections. Like you, it'll be uh, okay. A session fee. Right. Mm-hmm. For the time and talent of the session, let's say it's like three hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And then it's like and then you, you only purchase the images you fall in love with. And you could purchase the 20 image bundle for 500 bucks or whatever it is. And it's just like that's 20 images too much. Right. 20 right. digitals is way too many images right off the bat. Yeah. Let's mm-hmm. reduce the amount of images and digital files that we're offering. Totally. And it, like Ben said at the beginning, it's an experiment, like drop it to 10 and see if you're m- missing out on more bookings. You know, I would bet that people, if you're only doing the 10 digital files, would still book if they like what you do and they like your work. Yes. And then if they want more, they're paying more. And that's that puts the burden on them instead of on you, <laughs> which I always like. Um, What's next? Oh, e-sessions. You talk about that, Ben. Okay. This is, you know, I coach, I coach a lot of wedding photographers and the amount of times that I see wedding photographers include complimentary engagement session with every booking. Yeah. Yes. It's, it, this is like one of the biggest, like shoot yourself in the foot things. And I get this is a hot take. I know there's a lot of photographers that'll die on this hill. They're like, no, it's whenever it's my biggest thing that gets people in the door is because they're going to get a complimentary engagement session. It's like, ah, there's so many other mechanisms to like move people into working mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. And when you give an, a complimentary engagement session with every single booking, um, it's, it really is removing your, uh, your like value, your value, but also your chip to like move people to the place that you really do need them to be spending it, like yeah. to move them yeah. up in value into another collection. Um, and so to, to take a look at the collections, maybe you don't include an engagement session until like your, your second highest package, you know, mm-hmm. or your top package. Mm-hmm. Now, again, if you're listening to this and you're screaming, but I want to do engagement sessions for every single couple because I love to connect with them and it's value and it's all this stuff. Great. Give it as a gift. But when you give the expectation that no matter what people are getting it, it has no value. Right. 
you're losing a lot of money in that scenario. And Ben talks about this a lot, making it as easy as possible for a client to pay you or to understand like the flat retainer fee that you do is a great example of this. And I think the free engagement session makes that really muddy because it's like, okay, let's say they do the engagement session with you and then they don't want to use you for the wedding after working with you. Heaven forbid that happens, but I know it does at some point. Like then did they just get a free session with you and they're not going to pay you and you're going to give them back their deposit and it makes the contract a little trickier. I think all around making people pay for engagement sessions is a great business practice. Mm-hmm. Or again, give the gift. Give yeah. The gift. yeah. But when you give a gift that already is, it's just like everyone gets it no matter what. It's not, it, it's, it's removed it, of the value. <laughs> like if I, here's the thing, my engagement sessions, they start at $800. Okay. So it's $800. It's a 45 minute session. Uh, if then, and my most popular one is $1,400, okay? Um, so my lower three collections do not include an engagement package, mm-hmm. okay? They don't have it in it. But when someone books one of those, and then I say, I want to spend more time with you. I want to photograph you guys before the wedding. I want to like really connect to that. Would you value having an, an engagement session together? And they'd say, yes. I'd say, I, I want to just give this to you. It's on me. I'm covering it. It's, mm-hmm. it is my, this is something I want to do that now has a $1,400 value to it. Whereas mm-hmm. if they just came to me and they were like, everyone gets a free engagement session who books it, 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 it isn't received as, wow, Ben really like went out of his way to do something. Does that totally. make sense? Yes, oh absolutely. And it's going to get you a much better review. Yeah, um, you, you. Uh, <laughs> so Prince, this is a really good one too. This is a great area where you can, um, sneak in a little bit more money. And I hate using the word sneak. We're not trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes with any of these. It's more just about really finding the value in what you offer and optimizing it and maximizing it. And, um, with and, Prince. Oh, go ahead. Can I just write on this for a minute? What you just yeah. said, because it's, I'm actually just, we're, we're trying to whoop you into shape. So yeah. many of you <laughs> do not actually see the value of what you do and you're just giving away the farm. You are over delivering so you're, you're, and, every step. <laughs> but it's not a good, cause that sounds like a good thing. Over delivering is right. like a good thing, right? Yeah. This isn't this, this is, this is a step beyond this is you self-sacrificing. This is you yes. being like, um, I, you know, I just love my job so much. I'm going to make sure everybody gets everything from me. Someone is paying the price and it's, and it's not you. your client. <laughs> it is you. It's your wife. It's your kids. Mm-hmm. It's your future clients. Cause you won't be in business. Cause you're going to burn mm-hmm. out and quit. I'm riding on this because you're giving away the farm. Totally. This is the road to burnout. If you keep doing it, like you are walking down the path and it is a blazing wildfire ahead of you. (laughs) And you're just going like this. I just love doing everything for my clients. Like you're not looking at it. You're not seeing it. So Ben is taking you to church in a very literal (laughs) way. And you should listen. (laughs) I see it a hundred percent of the time. My clients are always here and they're like, why do I feel this way? I love my job. And it's because you're not getting paid Mm -hmm. for all of the things you're doing. That's why. So sorry for interrupting. You were talking about, I loved it. I loved it. Um, this works in literally any kind of photography business because almost all clients can use prints. Maybe branding photographers might have a little bit of a harder time selling, but there's so many different ways to pad your income with prints. That's reminding people that you have galleries up that they can order from. If that's your business model, um, there is giving people less prints or a smaller album with the option to upgrade 
um, that could add more to that package that you just sold. I see a lot of people that give like two albums in their highest package. No, do one album that the couple gets and then upsell them for the for their parents or your grandparents or something like that. So really limiting the number of prints you're adding to your collections is a great way to increase your income on each of these um, sales. So I've spent 13 years testing prints yes. in upfront <laughs> collections. And I'm going to give you some of the, the facts here. Um, in the past, when I was trying to make my collections more desirable, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I have albums in like all my collections, right? I, I really value that. I want people to have albums. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to like, I, I would describe it as this. I'm going to give you the cake. Okay. That's the album. But the mm-hmm. icing, the sprinkles, the birthday candles, that's extra. Okay. So that's where we have a reveal where we show the basic album and then they right. can choose to invest more into decorating it essentially, mm-hmm. like making it fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the past I've, I've tested a number of things with my albums that are included in the collections. I, you know, and so like my lowest collection would have an eight by eight, 20 page album. That's pretty standard for like the base right. level album. Right. And then as they would book higher collections, I would increase the size of the album. 10 by 10, 40 page album. Right. The next collection up 12 by 12, yes. 80 page album. Right. And I, I would do that. And I realized as I, as I played with testing this, I started to decrease the amount of pages that I was doing. And mm-hmm. I noticed that as I moved it down to, okay, the middle collection will have half the amount of pages. And it didn't matter. It didn't make any difference. And, well, it should still be more than the bottom collection, right? And so I made it, you know, instead of 20 pages, 30 pages. And then that didn't make a difference. So instead of 20 pages, I made it 24 pages. That didn't make a difference. I'm telling you right now, when, when your leads are booking you, they're, they are really unaware. As long as they have an album, they don't really have the value for the album yet. Like, it doesn't matter how much you talk about the album. The, the, as long as they have one, that box is checked in their yes. brain. Yes. And so you including more cost to you with a bigger mm-hmm. album is not moving the needle in their buying behavior. Now, I thought to myself, well, that makes sense for pages, right? But the size, 8 by 8 10 by 10 12 by 12 like it's physically larger. I've got to make sure that the middle collection has a physically larger 10 by 10 album. Girl, I took that thing down to an 8 by 8 Didn't make a damn difference. No, it won't because it you won't. said it. The box is checked. Yes. That is so important because you might get one client every few years that's really comparing packages between you and another photographer. But overall... If you have sold them on your process and your work to the point where they're checking your individual pages and sizes of albums, you've sold them. Yes. Like they're coming or they're not. Yes. So the that's a great place to look to. Where can you decrease? You know, like maybe you're out there right now and you're given 12 by 12, 60 page albums with your collections. I'm t- that I mean, if you were to reduce that to a 20 page 8 by 8, you're saving like 500, 600 bucks right there. With <laughs> that's every huge book. savings. It really is. Um, and <laughs> not only are you not now, you're, you're reducing that cost, but now the client has space to actually purchase higher. So when there is a reveal, because they're, they're, they weren't just handed a 12 by 12, 60 page album, they now can choose to like upgrade it. They can make it a 12 by 12 if they would like to, they can add on the pages. So now they actually have the space to increase their, uh, you know, their album and, and certainly your sales. Yeah. Okay. And to get what they want. Yes. 
Yep. Now I see this uh, a lot with loose prints too. You know, with portrait photographers, they're like, if you book this collection, you get a, a mm-hmm. an eight by ten. No one gives a shit. Take it out. Just no. like take, <laughs> take it out. It's not doing much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. All righty. And then maybe this last one. Mm-hmm. Print credit. Uh. I, 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 we should make a whole episode. We should, because I am very anxious to hear what you were about to say, because I have wondered for years who taught photographers to include a print credit. Oh, thank goodness. So you don't, okay. So you are anti print credit. I'm not anti, I'm more just like prove it. (laughs) I've proved it. And it doesn't, that's how I feel. Yeah. I it's, it is not a good thing. Because when we write for photographers, this is how it feels from a copywriting marketing perspective. It feels very confusing, kind of the same way as you just said, like, it doesn't matter how much you explain how important and beautiful these huge albums are. It doesn't matter how much you educate. People don't get it until you have tested from Miller's and, you know, all those different places and felt them in your hands. You don't really understand the difference between two albums Mm -hmm. and it's the same thing with print credit. You can explain it till you're blue in the face, but you've just made your copy quite confusing and long for no real reason. So this is my kind of rant from a copywriting perspective of like, it's really hard to justify those extra words that don't make any sense to somebody who's never done an IPS session before. Yeah. Print credit is the fastest way to guarantee that you never make a sale beyond whatever your print credit is. <laughs> it's like you get a $5 print credit when you book me. Congratulations. That client will ju- they they will spend $502. Yeah, <laughs> because they have capped it in their brain is this is what I get so this is what I'll order. Yep. And then you're like, "But Ben, my lowest printed product uh, it, it doesn't start until $1000. Congratulations. You didn't make any sale and you pissed off the client in the process." <laughs> Totally. That's when IPS starts to feel sneaky. That print credit is yeah. not doing you any favors. Yeah. We should do a whole episode on print credit. I yeah. Could, yeah <gasps> I, Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. And this isn't, uh, by the way, even as I'm going hard on print credit, I've, I've, man, I've tested it. We've done it. I've played the game. Okay. I've yeah. seen the results. All yeah. right, friends. Well, hey, listen, I think I think that's it for now. We got off a couple yeah. tangents today. <laughs> we did. Mercy. We had it in us. Oh, I did. And I did. Well, <laughs> I woke up from that nap, you know, and so I'm feeling feisty. The coffee's kicking in. The bedhead is I've accepted it. And uh, uh, it's your superpower now. Yeah, and this is what it is. <laughs> Crystal, <laughs> Crystal is in the mastermind group right now. She's hiding in the corner, burning my price list as we speak. Sorry. <laughs> Jesse Jackson in the mastermind group is to say and preach it. <laughs> All right. I love it. Hey, by the way, podcast listeners, if you would like to become a part of the mastermind group, Rachel and I, we actually we record these live. Uh, over inside the Mastermind Group months in advance before they ever air. And you get to see all the fun little pre-roll banter, uh, all the mistakes. They just stay in it. It's not mm-hmm. squeaky clean. You get to see Rachel and I actually on screen, and, and that's always fun. And you, we look good. Let me we tell you what. So good. We look <laughs> so good. Ben and I look rough. <laughs> we, we look so stop it. We look amazing. <laughs> Um, and so if you want to join, uh, just go to benhartley.com forward slash mastermind, benhartley.com forward slash mastermind. Well, listen, until then, or the next episode of the Six Figure Photography Podcast, keep showing up. And be kind to yourself. Bye, everybody.